Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And welcome back to another episode of the Cooler Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington and Michael Nania, beginning our 2021 Jets positional breakdown. And Michael, today we're starting with the running backs, which is a very interesting unit, as we know from the LaFleur system. Going to be a running back by committee approach, so all these guys should see the field quite often. And gone are the days of Le'Veon Bell and Frank Gore and Adam Gase running it for one yard right up the middle on second and ten. This is a whole new scheme a few new players and just a really interesting group to, to start off uh, our breakdowns with. So Michael, I guess first, what are your thoughts on the unit as a whole? Yeah, I think like you said, this is a unit that really is well built to fit that committee approach that we became used to seeing from the Niners in San Francisco throughout Kyle Shanahan's tenure there with Mike LaFour um, over the past four years. I think that there's a really versatile array of skill sets here. A lot of guys that, do a lot of different things well, and that's what you want from a committee backfield. You don't necessarily have that one guy who is a do-it-all player who you can have on the field in any situation, but you have a guy who can handle first down, second down, third down, short yardage, handle reps in the slot, whatever you need. There's someone in this group that can do it. And the committee approach with the Niners, they just never had that go-to guy. They always did it in this exact way where they had a bunch of different players filling different roles. The most carries they gave to a player in one season over the past three years was 153 to Matt Breida in 2018. That's the 81st most carries by a, a, a single player in a single season over the past three years. So they never had that go-to guy. It was Breida, Jarek McKinnon, uh, Jeff Wilson, Tevin Coleman was in there. Uh, so they had so many different names uh, carrying the ball over the past few years. And it looks like the Jets are going to do it in a very similar way. Yeah, I, I think that the additions of Tevin Coleman and Michael Carter should bring some new juice to this unit. Um, they both are shifty and they both bring speed and versatility. And then with the returners and, and Ty Johnson and Josh Adams, and then obviously the Michael P. Ryan last year's fourth round draft pick. So between those five guys, let's just hop into each guy individually. And then we'll talk about some questions for the unit as a whole. Starting with Tevin Coleman, the free agent addition from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, was linked to the Jets back in 2018 Was when he was a free agent coming from Atlanta. I guess, what do you like that he will bring to this offense and how he fits in the floor system? Yeah, for, for me, with Tevin Coleman, it's all about the passing game. I think he is the receiving specialist of this bunch. There are, there are things some of these other guys bring to the table in the passing game, but I don't think any of them really match Tevin Coleman in terms of being able to do stuff flexing out of the backfield. Coleman can line up in the slot and produce really well in that role. He's done it throughout his career. He's never gotten a ton of reps in the slot, but when he has, he's been extremely efficient 
uh, and those few chances that they have given him. So Tevin Coleman, for me, it's all about the receiving. You, you look at his yards per target, his uh, yards per route run, first down rate, his receiving touchdowns. No matter what you look at in terms of receiving stats with Coleman, he has it in his career. He has good hands. He's able to run wheel routes. Um, he's able to run um, sort of out and up routes out of the slot. He won a lot on a lot of those. He has run some screens out of the slot and been successful. So he's a very good receiving back for me. I think that's where he brings most of his punch, but in the running game too, uh, I think he is an explosive runner. He has gotten a very high percentage of his rushing yards on big plays, 15 plus yard runs. So I think in the run game, it's mostly explosiveness, just that top end speed. He's going to get stuffed a lot. I think he's sort of that boomer bust kind of runner, kind of like Isaiah Crowell during that one season he played with the Jets. But um, the bread and butter for Coleman, I think, is what he gives you in the passing game with his ability to flex out in the slot. Yeah, I mean, in this scheme and this outside zone LaFleur scheme, it's about getting to the outside, making that cut. Uh, and getting upfield. And so obviously there's an emphasis on speed. And I think in the running game, that's what Coleman's going to bring you. But like you said, what he really brings is, is that third down back, that receiving back. Uh, and I think you're going to see a lot of him on, on screens. I think you noted flexing out to the slot, which is something he did do in San Francisco, you know, running across the formation, going to the flat, just mixing things up. He brings you a lot of versatility. And, and when you have that running back by committee approach, obviously Coleman's not a guy that you'd ever want as a, as a workhorse, um, but he is a perfect type of guy to, to throw in a committee approach. Uh, and when you look at the other running backs with him, Ty Johnson is guy who came on at the end of last year. You know, I think he, he, he had one big run against Miami and everybody's like, who the hell is this guy? And then towards the end of the season, he got more, uh, more carries, uh, more so against the, uh, the Browns and the Raiders. Uh, and that's where you got to see him kind of shine in that role. Uh, how do you kind of see him fitting into this offense? Cause I will say from all we've seen from the off season, he looks in tremendous shape. It seems like he's getting a fair amount of first team reps. It seems like LaFleur is excited about Johnson. He's a guy who could, get a bulk of these carries. Yeah. Ty Johnson, I think for me, and you can tell me if you disagree, but I think he is going to be the RB one going into the season, not in the sense that he's going to get 20 carries a game, but I think he'll start the season getting the most because I think he is the best fit for this scheme. Would, would you agree with that? Or am I sort of a little too confident? I think the next guy is actually, who's going to get it um, just based off OTA reps. But I think okay. that between him, I, I think Johnson's going to get a, a large share. I think you're right. It's going to be, um, you know, split in half and split in quarters and whatnot. But I just feel like Johnson's good. I think Johnson will get around eight to 10 carries a game. Yeah. And, and looking back to the Niners, he actually reminds me sort of, of one guy who, who actually I didn't mention at the top of this when I was mentioning, mentioning some of the backs who have carried the ball for the Niners over the past few years, but Raheem Mostert, I think he's kind of similar to him in the way that he gets his yards. Ty Johnson last year, did not get a lot of yards after contact. He was near the bottom of the league in terms of yards after contact, but in terms of yards before contact, he was one of the best running backs in the league, third best in terms of yards before contact per carry. And generally that's an indication of offensive line play, as you would guess. But when you look at the way Johnson was playing last year, yes, they did block for him pretty well when he was carrying the ball, but the Jets offensive line also did block pretty well. Most of the season in the run game, they were ninth in the league and expected rushing yards per carry. The Jets were on the season, which is a testament to the offensive line. It's just that when P Ryan and Gore were in there, we'll talk more about P Ryan, but their vision wasn't great. They were running into uh, running into gaps that they shouldn't have been when there were open gaps in other parts of the field. 
Um, but when Johnson came in the game, he was taking advantage of the holes that were there. His vision was really good. He's making a lot of good decisions. And that's why he got so many yards before carry, because he was making the right call, going to the right hole. So he wasn't having, having to face that contact early in the rep because he was finding the open space. So I think that's what stands out for me with him is he has very good vision and that's going to work well in outside zone where it's, you know, you're looking outside to the D gap. No, that's not there. Hit the C gap. No, that's not there. Find the B gap. You know, you're just making one decision after the next. You got to be able to find that hole and hit it quick. And he is that too. He is very good. One cut burst. He sees the hole cuts up field and he's at top speed. His top speed is good. I don't think it's, you know, this is where, uh, why I compared him to Mostert because Mostert was actually up there with Johnson in terms of yards before contact. Um, They both got their yardage in similar ways with that before contact yardage. Johnson got 52% of his yards before contact last season. That was second highest in the league. Mostert was right behind him, uh, just at pretty much the identical rate, just like microscopic right behind him at third best in terms of percentage of yards before contact. So both of those guys are very, have very good vision. They find the hole and they hit it in outside zone. Uh, and the difference, I think Mostert has ridiculous speed. He might be the fastest running back in the league. Johnson isn't quite at that level, but his top speed is good. And what's right. most important is that he can hit it really quick. He, once he makes his cut up field, he's at his top speed pretty quickly. Yeah. It doesn't really take him time to get there. So um, the weakness for me with Ty Johnson is like I mentioned, the elusiveness, he didn't get many yards after contact. So that is something that if he gets better at can take him to the next level, but his vision, his burst is great for this scheme. Yeah. I think that when you look at Tevin Coleman, he's a guy that I think will, will play a very specific role for the jets and that he's going to be that passing specialist. He'll be the third down back. Sure. He'll get his carries and whatnot, but Ty Johnson can very well be the first down back. You can run him on the goal line. I think, I think you're right to say that there's a very good chance he will start the season, but from all reports from OTAs, it seems like Michael Carter has leapfrogged the two guys we just mentioned, and he's been getting some of the first team reps. Now, granted, it's June. A lot of things can change, especially at this position. There's plenty of injuries. Um, but it seems like Michael Carter is a guy that this Jets coaching staff is in love with. Joe Douglas even said that they would have taken him at 66 had they not uh, traded that pick and their other third for, for Elijah Vera Tucker. So the fact that he was there at the top of the fourth, um, Obviously, the Jets are fortunate enough to land him. I guess, Michael, what do you like about Michael Carter, one of the two on the team? I, for me, when I look at him, I, I see that that elusiveness and that burst that you're talking is, is lacking from Ty Johnson's game. Yeah, I think it's definitely um, the elusiveness and the big play ability. He's a big play running back. He got the vast majority of his yards on big plays last year. Uh, he led the country in 15-plus yard runs. So it's all about those big plays. And I think he gets them through his elusiveness at the second level, first level elusiveness. And Joe Blewett has kind of pointed, kind of pointed this out in his film review that he did of him at Jets X factor. He's, he does have some first level issues in terms of making the first guy miss um, and finding holes. But once he gets in the open field, that's when he's really dangerous. Second level. Um, that's when you can see him break a lot of tackles, make guys miss three yard yardage after contact. But it's that ability that gives you superstar potential. I think that's where you see the best running backs in the league really separate themselves, their ability to turn those, okay, you got 10 yards, you got 15 yards. Can you make the second guy miss, the third guy miss, and turn that into a 50-yard run for a touchdown? I think that's where you can become 
a superstar running back, the ability to make those plays consistently. And he sort of has that ability. So we'll see if he can channel that and go from a guy who is um, in the NFL, at least because in college, he was great overall. But right now, I think from the start, you could expect him to be that sort of big play threat. Um, a guy who could make a big play for you every now and then, but if he could bring everything together, especially with the first level game, um, then I think he has definitely the most upside and potential to become a superstar running back of this group. Cause Ty Johnson, even though I do like him to start the season, think he can be very good. I'm not sure he has that because I don't know if he has the same juice in terms of making guys miss an open field that Carter does, but Carter definitely has that. So if he can bring everything together, um, I think he can be superstar and passing game too. He doesn't have as much versatility as Coleman in terms of flexing out, running routes, things like that. He's a little bit, a decent amount, but he's good hands. He doesn't drop the ball. He's a good pass blocker. Um, hey, he had that one hand. He had that one hand catch in OTAs. A few yeah. Days ago. Yeah. So he, he definitely has a ton. We just didn't see um, North Carolina give him any opportunities in those roles. Right. So maybe the jets do explore it and he could really show you more of what you saw at that ridiculous one-handed catch. Um, so the passing game upside is definitely there for him. It's just in colleges mostly. Um, they dumped the ball off to him. He rarely dropped it, which is great. He made a lot of plays in the flat, making guys miss. That's another thing. The elusiveness did extend to the passing game for him. So he has upside there too. So a lot of potential with Carter. I'm really excited to see what he is able to amount to. Uh, in this offense. And I think, like you said, it'll, he is probably going to be competing with Johnson, at least I would guess uh, for most of the carries early in the season. Yeah. The thing I love about him is I just think he was a perfect scheme fit. I don't think the jets could have done much better in finding a running back in that range to fit their scheme. I mean, all the draft plan and said that as far as outside zone schemes go, Michael Carter's your guy. And I think that's part of the reason the jets loved him. Also what he brings um, off the field. But the other thing I really like about him is although he is plenty of experience in college, um, he split a lot of carries with Javante Williams. It was a two back approach. He's used to this running back by committee approach. Uh, and so he has fresh legs. He didn't get burned out in college. And I think that's something that's going to be um, valuable, valuable for him. Cause a lot of times right. some of these guys yeah. get run down like Najee Harris. My concern for him would be how much we, we talked about this already. It's how much tread is left on the tires, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Tread is how you, tread okay. is good. You want tread. Go. Okay. You know, my concern for Najee Harris is, you know, how much tread is going to be left in those tires five years from now because he just got run so much at Alabama with a guy like Michael Carter, a guy coming from a, a two-back system. Part of the reason he probably didn't go higher is because he wasn't getting all the first-team reps at, at North Carolina. He was actually running back number two behind Javante Williams, but he was still equally as impressive um, and, you know, put up video game numbers, uh, and the film was certainly there. So he's a guy that I'm really excited and honestly very surprised that he fell to the fourth round i think for as lucky as the jets were for, for elijah moore to fall to 34 i think carter falling all the way to the fourth rounder was about as equally uh, as big of a surprise the jets really got lucky there uh and then the next two guys on our list because look barring injury coleman johnson and carter their roster spots are safe but these next two guys are going to be in a bit of a, a training camp battle when the jets come back in six weeks we'll start with Lamichael p ryan last year's fourth round draft pick who Many suspect may have been a bit of a gaze pick. He is a better fit for an inside zone scheme. It doesn't mean he can't work here. And look, when you have a running back by committee approach, you want guys who do different things. You want versatility and P Ryan, maybe he can be that big body back. I guess talk about what he brings to the table as far as his strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And anyone who follows me on Twitter or has read some of my articles over the past month or so at JetX probably knows that I'm not a big, the Michael P Ryan fan to say the least, but 
Uh, I, I think just looking at his rookie season, you didn't really see any particular skill to get excited about because especially in, in this sort of committee approach, that's what you want to see. You don't necessarily have to be the greatest player all around, but what is your one go-to skill that we can rely on you for? And P Ryan didn't really bring anything to the table. They could say, that's what he's really good at. I know the power game is something he could be good at. And he did have some decent power runs last season, but overall, and in college and, and in college is definitely something he brought to the table, but he did carry Jamal Adams for like 10 yards in a play. He, that he did do that. So that definitely earns him some points, but um, overall, I think he really struggled with his vision last year. Like I was talking about comparing him to Johnson um, P Ryan's before contact yardage. He only averaged 1.1 yards before contact, which was 57th among running backs. Johnson was way up at third when he got in there behind the same offensive line, actually arguably a worse one because by the time Johnson was playing, Josh Adams and Pat Elfline were starting. So, and also Connor McDermott on a few snaps. So it, it was definitely concerning his vision. He missed a lot of cutback holes. Um, there are times where he sort of just took the handoff, went straight downhill when he could have been more patient and, and allowed the blocks to develop a little bit and something would have been there. Um, and then in terms of elusiveness, very low broken tackle and after contact numbers um, just did not have much elusiveness really at any level of the field. First level, he was, when he's meeting guys early in the play, he wasn't able to shake them. Uh, and then if he did get ahead of steam from the offensive line, he wasn't really able to turn a solid gain into a great one. So um, just not a ton from P Ryan. And even in the passing game, they didn't give him too many chances to show what he could do downfield because he did show some pretty good route running chops when he was in college. We didn't, he didn't get many chances at all to do that last year, but he dropped a couple passes. His pass blocking was shaky at times. I, I would say he was decent overall as a pass blocker, but not great. He can still get better. Um, so overall with P Ryan, I just think he needs to develop one skill that can be his go-to. Are you going to be a passing game guy? Because I think he can be that based on what he showed with the Gators. I, he had five receiving touchdowns in his last season. Um, are Is that what you're going to be? Are you going to be a power guy? Because I think he does have the, the size to do that effectively. Um, that's a big thing. I don't think he'll ever be uh, a star or even a starter. I, he could be. Personally, I don't think he will. But for this team, I think he needs to find that one skill to be his niche, to his go-to. Are there any examples of guys like P. Ryan rookies who come in and don't really hit the ground running and then turn it around in the second year? I mean, actually, one guy who you can look to is someone who I did compare him to coming out, not necessarily in terms of play style, but in terms of what I thought his long-term in- impact could be, is Bilal Powell. That's why I kind of thought that he could be long-term again, not in terms of skill set. I think they're different, but you know, Powell's that long-term guy. Sometimes if injuries came upon the team, he would be their starter other seasons. He was just a situational guy. Um, and he was just fundamentally sound. Didn't drop the ball. It's a good pass blocker. Could do a lot of different things. That's what I thought Piran could kind of be. And to Piran's credit, Bilal Powell was a 23 year old rookie who only played two games he averaged 1.6 yards a carry over the 13 carries he got. So he had a slow rookie season too, and he was a fourth round pick also. So there's definitely that comparison that you can look to that's very promising. So it can happen. Um, so I, th- I think there's some hope for P. Ryan. I'm not a fan of his game because I do think that all four of these other guys have something very tangible they can point to and say he's good at that. 
I can rely on him to continue being good at that. And I don't think Piran showed that last season. So I don't, I, he is my least favorite player of this five man group, but I definitely am not going to say there's a 0% chance that he can become a good player or contribute to this team this year. And then the last guy who at the moment seems like the guy who could be on the, the, the chopping block, which is when you look at OTA reps, because P Ryan, um, as a Robbie Sabo has reported that has been getting some first team reps has been mixed in there with Cod, uh, Carter Johnson and Coleman. Um, but Josh Adams, who, you know, when he's gone in there, he has made plays. He's been on the jets for the last two years. This will be his third season with the team. Um, and he's just been a guy that, yeah, is, is not really been given a, a full chance to shine. I guess, what do you like that he brings to the table? Obviously he has the size and the speed and, you know, I would even say he's had some good production as well. What is lacking in Josh Adams's game? Yeah, for me, on the positive side with Adams, I, he, he and Johnson both came in and played efficiently at the end of last season. It was a smaller sample for Adams, only 29 carries, but 5.4 yards a carry. Um, he, he was really good when he was in there in terms of efficiency, and he did it in a much different way than Johnson. Johnson was playing with good vision, hitting the right holes, not having to break a lot of tackles, and just doing the right thing to pick up chunk gains the Johnson the majority of his runs were from five to nine yards he was doing really good with those Adams was a little bit more explosive he was breaking a lot of tackles um, not that his vision was bad but he was making a lot of guys miss and that was take allowing him to turn a lot of potential losses or short gains into very good gains because he's making that first guy miss really consistently uh, and he was doing it in a lot of different ways you saw some power him just running through ankle tackles. You saw some lateral quickness with jukes. He threw this one really nasty juke against the Raiders that kind of had a guy stumbling. That one was impressive. So um, I, I saw a lot from him in a very small sample of opportunities this past year. And back in 2018, as a rookie at the Eagles, he was pretty solid. He carried the ball 120 times, 4.3 yards a carry. Um, he looked pretty good that year. So it's it's not like you're just going off of this season with the Jets. He he's had good reps in the good good moments in the past with the Eagles back in 2018. So um, I like Adams quite a bit, and he's pretty young. He was only a 22 year old rookie. He's only 24 right now. He'll be 25 during this season. So he's comparable in age to some of these other guys, despite feel despite feeling like he's a little bit older. So. I really like Adam's elusiveness. He has good size, 6'2", 225 pounds. So I think he can be a power back for you if you want him to be that. Um, I think the weakness for him is he offers the least in the passing game out of anybody in this group. His pass blocking is pretty bad, and he's really never produced anything in the passing game at all. Only 13 catches in three years, no touchdowns. Um, and he's averaged under five yards a target. So doesn't offer anything in the passing game. I think that's his biggest issue. Well, okay. When we look at the, the unit as a whole, I guess, how do you see the carries being divided and whom do you see being used in each situation by the time the Jets at week one? I, th I think like we, we both said, I think Carter's going to be definitely in that mix to be the number one guy. I, th I think Johnson and Carter will probably get 40% of the carries each to start the season, maybe 10% to Coleman uh, or maybe 20% to Coleman. I, I would say it would be three guys to start out. I'd say the majority splitting the early downs is Carter and Ty Johnson 
And then Tevin Coleman will get some third down carries, maybe on draw plays, things like that, you know, because he'll probably be out there on third downs and, you know, you mix it up sometimes on third and five run the ball. I think that's where he could get some touches or even just change of pace early downs. Um, but I think P Ryan too, will. I think he'll end up being that short yardage back. Um, we'll talk more about him versus Adams making the roster, but um, I think P Ryan acts. So maybe let's say 40% Johnson and Carter, um, 15% Coleman, 5% P Ryan specifically for short yardage situations. Um, so I, I think that's sort of, how yeah. would you divide up right now? Well, Does that sound right? Yeah. Well, so San Francisco ran the ball 27 times per game and they were about the middle, middle of the pack there. And I think, you know, LaFleur is the passing game coordinator. So let's just call it an even 25 carries uh, a game. And if you have to divide that between these guys, we'll talk about who's going to get the next later. Oh, Jesus. All right, there we go. I knocked something down. We're back. Um, but there's five guys on the roster. We'll say four on game day. Honestly, maybe even three active on game day. I, I would say, I think it's going to be a fairly even split. I mean, it, it won't obviously be this even, but I think it will be around 10 for Carter, 10 for Johnson, five for Coleman. You could obviously give or take some um, for each guy. I think the the way right now that it looks, it looks like P Ron will make the roster of Adams, but again, you never know with, with injuries, especially at this position. Um, and I think the, the way that P Ryan can really solidify himself on this team is in those short yardage um, situations, those goal line situations. So, you know, I could see P Ryan getting a few carries a game, but they probably will limit it to three backs per game. And I think you're going to see Coleman get his, his, his reps mostly on those third downs. So I think you give him, you know, five to eight carries a game. I think Johnson and Carter will split it, but I, you know, they could also divvy it up by week. I mean, I, I think there is some value into not, into giving guys some rest weeks, you know, obviously not going to bench Ty Johnson or Michael Carter for a full game, but maybe you go more Ty Johnson one game and more Michael Carter another game, ride the hot hand and let the other guy rest his legs. I think there's some credence in that. Um, but I, I think that the thing that's most interesting to me, and, and we talk about it with receivers, um, and it's, it's brought up obviously with running backs, but fans generally ignore it. And I want to get your thoughts on this is blocking. And a lot of people don't talk about blocking when they're looking at the running back position, but it's something the coaching staff definitely values, especially since you have a rookie quarterback out of these guys, Michael, who do you see as the best blocker and the best chance for, for Zach Wilson when he's throwing the ball to be able to, to pick up that linebacker screaming through the middle? Yeah. So I, I think Michael Carter, this is an area that really adds to his appeal. He's a very good pass blocker had, good pass blocking numbers during his career with the Tar Heels. Um, I think P Ryan can be solid in this area. I, I believe he had one bad game last season uh, against the Dolphins where he gave up a couple of pressures, but other than that, he didn't give up any in any other games. Um, like I said, with Josh Adams, this in, is an area where he struggles. So it's some somewhere where he's going to have to get a lot better. Um, if he's go- if he's going to be able to establish himself, even if he misses this Jets roster, if he's going to catch on somewhere else, it's somewhere he- where he can get better. And-, and on Pirine, it was the Bills game in week seven where he was in on two sacks and three pressures total. But other than that, in every other game, he didn't give up any pressures. So and Pirine is really good at this in college. So this is an area where he can be a solid player in the NFL. Um, Ty Johnson, I think Johnson's decent. Tevin Coleman's decent. Adams is pretty bad. Um, and then P Ryan and Carter are probably your go-to guys in this area. That's, that's how I would probably sum it up. 
Well, yeah, you mentioned Carter, and then in the same breath, you mentioned how P. Ryan struggled as a rookie, even though he was good at it in college. That's something I may be concerned about with Carter because, you know, sometimes there are rookie running backs who come out and they're great at blocking right out of the gate, but that is something that generally rookie running backs can struggle with. Um, so for me, I kind of see that this is where Tevin Coleman is really going to shine. And even if he doesn't have this, I mean, look, maybe Michael P. Ryan can, can turn it around in year two. Obviously, he has a full offseason to, to really hone that, that skill, and it was something he was good at college. But Coleman is the veteran of the group. He's been on – this is his third team. Um, he is that passing back, and, and generally he's going to be in on third down. So whether he's, he's getting the ball thrown to him, he's also going to have to be relied on, on uh, to block as well. So I think Coleman is going to be the guy relied upon in that situation. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I think – And actually, I, and just to, just to throw in a few numbers uh, that I just pulled up, I would actually adjust the Johnson and Coleman summaries a little bit. Johnson's actually struggled a little bit. Throughout his couple years, the Lions and Jets, Coleman's been pretty good. So it does it does fit in with the rest of his passing game skill set. Coleman is solid in this phase. Only three pressures over 55 snaps over the past couple seasons. And Johnson, in comparison to that, he's given up 10 over 50 snaps the past couple seasons, which is 20 percent. So, yeah, I think um, pretty exclusive those two. I think pretty exclusively you can just use Tevin Coleman as your third down back. Either throw it to right. him or leave him in there to block. Um, but first and second down, I think that's where you're going to divvy the carries between Johnson and Carter. And then the short yardage situation, that's where you might see some Pirine. Um, or Josh Adams. And I guess we should talk about that a little bit. Who do you ultimately see uh, winning this battle? Obviously, we know you, you have an affinity for Adams, but it seems right now Pirine's you know, edging him out. But there's still a whole training camp to go through. There's still injuries that could happen preseason and whatnot. Uh, I guess, can you talk about the... Um, there, there's, I guess, a sentiment that P. Ryan's not a, a great scheme fit. I've certainly repeated that. You've repeated that as well, that he was drafted to be more of an inside zone running back versus an outside zone running back. So can you kind of explain the, the scheme, schematic differences between them and why uh, LaMichael P. Ryan might not be the best um, fit for, for LaFleur offense? Well, I think with wide zone and outside zone schemes, vision is just a little bit more important because there's just more decisions to be made more reads to be made. And I think you saw that with Ty Johnson last year. Um, um, he was successful on a lot of outside runs because he was making the right reads and you need to be able to do that in that scheme. Whereas an inside zone and, and also gap runs, it's a lot, a, a lot more predetermined where you're going to be going. There's still some reading or plenty of reading with any running play, but just in general on outside runs, there's a little bit more, um, post-snap reaction and you, you kind of saw Johnson thrive in that area and P Ryan not so much P Ryan there, there there's one run in particular against the Patriots that comes to mind in the week nine game where it was an outside zone run to the left and he kind of every single Patriots fender at outside leverage and meanwhile on the backside George Fant did a good job hooking around his guy sealing him to the sideline there's a huge B gap on the backside and if P. Ryan had gone through his reads and gotten to the backside, he would have seen that, been able to cut back for a huge gain. But he just ran right into the wall of Patriots defenders who all had leverage to the play side. And things like that just aren't going to cut it in outside zone. Whereas you can sort of be successful with that mentality on inside runs. If you're just, you know, getting right to the hole, downhill, let's get three, four yards, let's keep going. And I feel like that's sort of why he was drafted to do that in Gase's inside zone scheme which can't work if done effectively under a coach not named adam gase but in this offense i don't think it it is the best fit but josh adams too might not be the most ideal fit for this offense i don't think because 
he was, like I said earlier, mostly creating his yards just based on pure uh, elusiveness, making guys miss more so than it was the vision aspect of it. So um, both of these two guys are kind of wild cards in this uh, in this battle right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Do you think there's any chance they could they could keep all five? You know, especially considering that they don't have a designated fullback. It seems like Wesco will probably fulfill that responsibility, so he's kind of a flex tight end fullback. Do you think that that could mean that the you know, especially considering they're going to be a, a running back by committee, somebody's going to go down. Probably a few guys are going to go down, and they want to keep legs fresh. Do you think there's a chance they could keep all five of these guys? It's it's tough to tell. I, I mean, you'd let me know what you think, but for me, I feel like four is going to be the number. Five feels like a bit much but i think there is a chance just because we look at this group and there is something to say for every guy you know there are three that we probably think are locks carter who you just drafted coleman who you signed and has the connection to the coordinator and is a great receiver and johnson who's a good fit in this offense then p ryan was just drafted last year by this gm and josh adams played really well in this offense last year even if it was uh, well in a different offense but played really well for this team last year, even if, if it was uh, a small sample size. So there's something legitimate to hang your hat on for all five of these guys. So if they really like this group, obviously you're going to have to sacrifice a spot somewhere else because five running backs is a little bit much, especially considering um, Wesco is probably making it as a fullback. It's a little bit much. So, but if you really like this position, truly do like all five guys, I could see it. Um, what do you think is four the number or could you see five? I mean, in San Francisco is four, so that it'll probably be four. But I, I think that is something to keep an eye on. That even I'm making the mistake of assuming one of these guys is going to get cut. But you know, especially with the new um, uh, IR rules that they're keeping from last year, I think there's a chance that one of these guys. Uh, I think I've said it about five times on this on this podcast so far. But one of these guys could be injured, could be starting the season on that IR. So I think there's a chance the Jets could get through the entire season with a, a version of these five all kind of sticking around because I. Uh, yeah, I would be ashamed in my eyes to see Adams get cut because I think he is great depth. Um, and I do think he has some potential, but it just really comes down to Piran. And if that first season um, was an indication on how the rest of his career is going to go, or if that was just more of a bad situation, no OTAs, no mini camp, rookie running back. Um, it seems the fact that he's getting some first team reps lends me to believe that the Jets still have some confidence in him, um, but we'll see. But when you look at the the prototypical Shanahan LaFleur backs you, you compared Ty Johnson and, and uh, Raheem Mostert earlier, I guess, can you de- describe some of the, the traits that these Shanahan LaFleur backs have had in the past and how they do compare to this unit? Well, I think, you know, we have Tevin Coleman coming right over from that unit. I think the jets can do a lot of similar things that Coleman did over there specifically. And, and I mentioned him working out of the slot. He's made a lot of plays for not, getting a lot of opportunities in the slot. It's not something he's done very frequently at all over the course of his career, but he's been so efficient when he has that he has so many slot plays on his highlight reel. So I think the Jets should actually do that more than he did with the Niners throughout his career. And also the Falcons didn't use him too much there either, but he was super efficient at it and made a lot of plays. So I think that's one difference between what the Jets should do with Coleman versus when he was in San Francisco. But other than that, I think a consistent theme with those backs in San Francisco is um, a lot of speed and a lot of good vision guys who can get outside really quickly, make the right read and just one cut up field. I think 
Ty Johnson is really consistent with what we saw from a lot of backs over there. Um, just it's not necessarily about elusiveness um, or having that superstar kind of ability to break tackles, but it's more so can you make the right read and do you have the speed to make the most of it once you do make the right read? So that's why I think Johnson is a good fit and Michael Carter as well has similar abilities. So I think that this is a group between those two guys and also Coleman that's really well suited to this offense. Yeah. And the committee approaches is a fairly meaningless stat, but by the end of the year, who do you think starts the most of the games? Well, actually I pulled up because we were talking early about the carries. I pulled up the Niners game against the jets and week two this past season, just to see how they sort of split the carries in a random game. So in this game, they had, multiple carries of four different running backs. So Coleman actually led the way that game with 14. Uh, Raheem Mostert got eight, Jarek McKinnon three, Jeff Wilson two. So that sort of gives us, gives, gives us a little bit of a guideline of how things could go. Like right. you said, it could sort of split week to week. Coleman didn't get close to that in any other game. But in this particular game, he got almost twice as many carries as anyone else on the team. But then also the bottom part of the depth chart, you still were able to get a couple touches in there uh, for McKinnon and Wilson. So we could see something similar with Carter and Johnson fulfilling those top two spots. And then maybe P Ryan and Adams or, uh, or actually um, Carter and uh, Ty Johnson taking those top two spots and then behind them, you know, a couple guys getting a handful of carries in there. So I, I think that sort of is a guideline in terms of how the carries could be split, but in terms of starts, throughout the season, I would, I'm going to go with Carter. Would you agree? I feel like he's going to take it over as the season goes on. Johnson will start and then it will ease towards Carter. I, hey, I could see Carter starting week one. I think, I think Carter's going to get yeah, the, uh, the starts on his resume um, because that's pretty much all that's going to mean. Uh, because like you said, I, I do feel like he's going to split his carries fairly evenly um, between himself and Johnson. I mean, just when you look, I looked up the 2019 uh, Niners roster, which had obviously great success running the football and their, their attempts were between Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert were dead even between 137 and 137. Uh, and then Matt Breida was behind him at 123. So a very balanced approach. Um, and I think you're going to see the same thing between Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, and Tevin Coleman. I think the, all three of those guys can have a very similar amount of carries. Um, you can almost split them in thirds. Um, and then the, the remaining scraps can go to P. Reiner Adams. Um, but I think Carter will probably start out the games, um, but we'll see. Uh, I, I guess two more questions for you. One, how do you feel like this position group compares to the NFL as a whole? Because pre-draft, I was pretty down on the position group. You were not. You said that you didn't even feel like the Jets needed to draft a running back, that you, you know it's obviously the least important position on the field, although it does have a, a big impact. It's more of a byproduct of the offensive line that um, – you know, it, it, you don't really need a star running back to have a great running game. After drafting Michael Carter, I feel a lot better about this group. I'm very excited about him and the way he fits. But comparing to the, this unit, specifically just the running back room, ignoring the offensive line and all other factors, how do you feel it stacks up compared to other running back rooms across the NFL? It's so hard to compare right now because I feel like we, like, as people who – analyze this team so thoroughly we see all the positives in every single guy but if you're a fan or observer analyst whatever of any other team you look at this depth chart and you see a fourth round rookie a guy in tevin coleman who averaged about two yards a carry last season 
guy in Ty Johnson, who you never heard of, a guy in Josh <laughs> Adams, who you probably never heard of, and a guy in Michael Pirine, who you probably never heard of. So um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just hard to, when you really try to look at things in an unbiased way, then it's hard to say this is anything but a bottom five running back group for now. But once they do get on the field, if they can really make this committee approach work the way it did in San Francisco, if you know Ty Johnson is as good as, of a fit as we think he is, and Michael Carter, if Tevin Coleman can continue to be as high level of a receiving back as he has been throughout his career, if P. Ryan and or Adams can find their niche and do well in it, then this can be a, a solid running back group. I feel like you can't be a truly elite running back group without you know, just actually having an elite running back in there who is a real difference maker just on the strength of that one guy. Right. But with a really good committee, I think you could still be a top five to 10 unit yeah. in the league. And do they have this potential? I think they do. It's a, it's a ceiling. It would be I, a low percentage outcome, but I think they'll ultimately end up being a pretty good, respectable, probably around average unit. But for now, for comparing them to everyone else in the league, it, it has to be down there until yeah. everyone proves what they can do yeah i think that's very fair analysis but i do think that the scheme and the offensive line improvements especially on the left side led me to believe that this jets rushing attack is going to be fairly good yeah um in 2021 i do think that we know that that's what lafleur wants to do from the shanahan system is run the football and then build the pass off the run um and i just think that with Becton and Vera Tucker next to each other on that left side. And, you know, look, we'll see how McGovern and fan adapt to the scheme and who wins the right guard spot. But I'm just so confident in that left side that I feel, and I like a lot of these guys in the room that I just, I do feel like this will be an above average unit. And I think a lot of those guys that you said that nobody really knows who they are. Um, I think a lot of those guys will come, will become household names in 2021, not household names in the sense of Alvin Kamara or Le'Veon Bell or Derrick Henry, but household names in the sense of Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, that football fans will have heard of them. Probably not a guy that you're going to add to your fantasy football team just because of the, um, you know, the, the nature of splitting all these carries. But I feel like these guys will establish themselves as solid NFL players, because as you know, and as I know, this unit's performance really comes down to the offensive line. I think it's scheme, offensive line, and then the, the individual talent. I really like the scheme the Jets are implementing. I like, at least, I really like half the Jets' offensive line, and I'm confident the other half to at least be okay. Uh, and between Carter and Johnson, I, I, I those are two guys that I, I'm, you know, really big believers in. I think Coleman's a kind of a perfect third down vet, you know, fairly low ceiling there. Pirine, like you said, I don't have too much faith in, but you never know. I mean, I'm not willing to count him out just yet. And then Adams, I like as a depth piece, but I, I do think that Johnson is, um, you know, can establish himself as a guy who's a respectable veteran running back. And I think Carter has the highest ceiling, obviously, out of the out of the five of them. Um, lastly, I guess stat predictions, and I guess it might be a little hard to go into the, this amount of attempts and this amount of yards, but I guess, you know, I guess how do you feel? Who leads the team in, in this this unit in touchdowns and receiving touchdowns and snaps? I mean, kind of just the the overall vague predictions because it is June and we don't want to get too much of the nitty gritty, but just kind of your overall um, view on how each guy will perform. Well, first of all, before the individual statistics, I, I just want to say I kind of agree with something you said. I, I do think this running game, specifically because the O-line, will be pretty good this year. I feel confident that this is going to be at least an average run game, maybe top 10 if, if a few different things yeah. break right. But um, it just starts with scheme fit from the running backs. Um, we've talked plenty about them already, but the O-line, I feel like and they're the going to fit well. 
and the receivers talk about having some, you know, some receivers who can block and, you know, throw crack blocks and help to spring outside run game, outside runs in this scheme. You got some of them in Corey Davis, Mims, Keelan Cole. That's how you get those breakaway runs. You look at all the big breakaway runs from the, the 49ers and the Rams and the Packers. It's all, a lot, most of them come down to great receiver blocking. Yeah, exactly. And they have plenty of guys who can do it. So from them to the O-line, George Fan, I think is going to do great in this scheme. Tight end's not great. Tight end's not great. Although I think Tyler Croft can do some damage, but other than him, some question marks. But Vera Tucker is a great fit. I think McGovern will do well here. A lot of great scheme fits. And I think that's going to make the whole greater than the sum of its parts here. And you're going to have a good run blocking offensive line and some running backs who are built to take advantage of it. So I think the run game is going to be good this season. Um, in terms of the individual statistics, let's go off of those 2019 carries, uh, the carry splits for the 49ers that you brought up. Let's take a look at some of those names and kind of put some jets names in there to replace them. So like you said, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, they had 137 carries each that season Right behind them was Breida with 123. And then Jeff Wilson sort of dabbled in with 27 carries. So I guess we are going off of that. We could say that the three-way split would probably be Carter and Johnson leading the way. Um, and then in your third spot, you'd probably have Coleman. Coleman in there. Although I think I don't think Coleman would be that close in terms of I would say well, I will say Coleman opened up, and not that this means anything, but Coleman did open up OTAs as running back number right. one. And when you're looking at the literally the numbers of just the 2019 49ers, Coleman was, you know, tied for first with 137, then most it was with 137 as well. Um, and so that leads you to believe that those passing attempts and those third downs are all going to add up. So it wouldn't surprise me if Coleman is actually the second um, most used running back, but that's just you know situationally he just gets a lot of third downs and a lot of passing situations but when it comes to those first and second down usage i think it's going to be split between carter and johnson so i actually do think coleman might go down statistically as the second most used running back yeah it, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in in the run game because i think passing game it's clear he's going to have a big role but where he fits in in the passing game that'll be really interesting um i think i guess snaps the, is what i meant more yeah snaps i think he could be more so up there in that realm, because I'm not sure how many I think Carter's the most potential to uh, in addition to Coleman flex out of the backfield, line up in the slot, do things on the outside, things like that. But for now, Coleman is your guy there. Um, but looking at their 2020 stats, I think that might be a better way to distribute it. Uh, so in terms of carries per game last season, the Niners had most at number one with 13, Jeff Wilson, 11, Jarek McKinnon, five, uh, Michael Hasey five, Tevin Coleman four. So that's five running backs who are obviously not doing it all in the same game because they all miss some games, but that's five running backs who are each getting at least four carries a game. So if we were going to use those five, then let's say Carter is your 13 guy. Ty Johnson is your 11, Tevin Coleman five. Um, and then if, if we're going to say only four running backs will make the team, let's say Michael P Ryan gets five carries per game as well. Um, so I, I guess that's a way that the carries could be distributed. And then if you were to convert those into yards, let's say Johnson at number one, 13 carries per game, 16 games, you know, he gets, let's say, I don't know. Let's say Johnson can get like 700, 800 yards or no, we were saying Carter's number one. 
let's say Carter gets that number. Johnson maybe 500, and then maybe a couple hundred for uh, or 100 to 200 for Piran and Coleman. Um, in terms of touchdowns, though, that'll be interesting because then you're probably leaning towards the shorter yardage guys. Um, who do you think is going to top them in touchdowns? I, I almost, I think I was going to say Coleman. I kind of do feel like it'll be Coleman because I think he's going to get a lot of those passing reps, but as far as rushing touchdowns, I think it's going to be Carter. I think, yeah, again, it's going to be fairly close between Carter and Johnson. I'll say Carter. I'll say Carter and be safe, but I, Coleman's going to get a fair amount of passing reps. Um, and I feel like, you know, he's still going to get rushing attempts as well. They're not going to make him completely one dimensional. You're going to put him in on third down. So total touchdowns. I think Coleman's going to be up there, but at the end of the day, Carter, I guess what it really comes down to is who you're going to use in the goal line. I guess, who do you feel is the best goal line back out of these guys? And probably more so the the top three, I guess you have to throw P Ryan's name in there and Adams there as, as well. I guess out of these five, who do you feel is the best goal line back? Because those are the guys that just stack the touchdowns. Yeah, I, I think off the bat, one guy who I know isn't is Coleman. I, I just did was looking at some numbers of him recently. He's only converted 50% of his third and fourth down runs with two yards to go or less, which is pretty bad. The league average is about 70%. So that's something that he's not good at. And I think anyone who watches him knows him pretty well, knows that's not really his game. But um, in terms of the other guys, uh, Johnson's kind of a smaller guy. He's only 5'10", 2'10". Um, Michael P. Ryan is at 5'11", 2'16". Um, and then Michael Carter is also a smaller guy. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. This might be where P. Ryan can make his money and find his way onto the roster. Um, because Carter at North Carolina last season, um, Javante Williams is the guy who they sort of leaned on more near the goal line in the red zone whereas Carter was leaned on a little bit more heavily in between the twenties and the rest of the field to get them down there. Um, And so he's not necessarily that guy, but Johnson also isn't quite that either. I don't really think that's his game. So I really think this is where Pirine can find his way. But I will say on on the goal line, that's where you want. I I kind of feel like it will be Johnson though, because in the goal, you talk about his yards before contact that just points to good vision. Yeah. So it's like on the goal line, you just want the guy who can hit the hole and get the touchdown. He doesn't need to go for 10 yards. He just needs to get one or two. Right. So uh, and it's not like Johnson's small. Not like Johnson's a small guy. You look at the yeah. shape he's in, um, in in training camp and the size of his quads and his thighs. I mean, this is a big guy. I think I think Johnson's going to get the goal line touches in the power situations. M- more likely than not. I think Piran or Adams is going to be sprinkled in, but I, I think you're going to see a lot more Ty Johnson in the short yardage situations. Yeah, and, and I think the – biggest takeaway here from the conversation we're having is that there just isn't a clear guy. So I think there will be a lot of rotation there, depending on what play you want to call, what kind of defense are you facing? Do they have um, a really strong D line, but their cornerbacks can't tackle at all. So you lean towards outright outside runs. Maybe you do go with Ty Johnson and continue running outside zone on the goal line, or do they have a very weak interior D line and you just want to pound it up the middle, maybe P. Ryan is the guy you go with, or Josh Adams if he's still on your roster. So I, I think that's the biggest takeaway from this right now is that you know they could go – they have a lot of different options depending on the opponent, depending on what's working for them, of which way they want to go. There isn't necessarily like um, – because as much as you want to have guys with different skill sets – you don't want to be predictable. You don't want to have a 
180-pound guy who you know is never going to run it up the goal line, and then a Brandon Jacobs type of guy who you know is in there to run the ball up the middle because then you become predictable. I think with this committee of guys, you have a lot of running backs who can do a few different things well. So you have so you can have that committee approach. You have guys who do different things, but they also are a little bit interchangeable and they overlap a little bit. So you could still have that element of unpredictability. So I think there are a lot of candidates to get touches on the goal line. And, and Josh Adams got a few last season. He was able to score two touchdowns on like 29 carries. So maybe this is where he finds his way onto the roster. He is, I believe, the biggest guy. I'm going to check his way yeah, real he is. quick. He is the biggest guy of this group. At He is at 200 and is he 230? Uh, he's 225. So he's the biggest guy in the group. So Maybe that's where he comes in, but I think that's the big takeaway for me. A lot of overlapping abilities here, guys who could do, uh, who have different primary strengths, but also it's yeah. not so obvious what the differences are to where you're tipping off the teams what you're doing. Honestly, if I had to cut one and Piran is really not showing anything special, I'm cutting him because I, I Adams brings the size and the speed. He's a great scheme fit, and you can trust him on the goal line. Um, I think it's going to be a tough summer for Piran. I would not count Josh Adams out just yet, even though that Piran's getting more of the, the first team reps. Um, I think that, you know, the Jets don't have a wasted investment. Adams is just a guy they sign off the street. Piran's a fourth round draft pick. I think they're going to try to give him every chance um, to prove himself, but I don't know. I'm not, I, I would not doubt. I, I wouldn't say that his job is completely safe. I could definitely see the Michael Piran getting the ax um, as we get closer to preseason, but you know, we'll see how this all shakes out. One thing's for certain though. I shouldn't say for certain, nothing certain with the Jets, but I think this will be the Jets' best rushing attack uh, in a long time. Maybe not the the Rex Ryan ground and pound 2009-2010 days, but I definitely think it's going to be a vast improvement over the bevy running backs we've seen come through the, the Jets in the last, you know, in the recent years between Elijah McGuire and Isaiah Crowell and Chris Ivory. Well, I guess Chris Ivory wasn't too bad. You know, and, and the majority of that just comes down to the, the emphasis on the offensive line. Uh, I think it's scheme and offensive line first, and then I like the talent in the room, but it's been a rough few years with the Jets um, when it comes to running the football. And it's it's good to see the Jets put an emphasis back on it and get back to the roots. Play good defense, run the football, build the pass off that um, exciting unit, and we'll see how this plays out. That's going to do it for our first positional breakdown. Next week, we'll be doing the receivers. That'll be coming out next Thursday. And then in a few days on Monday, we'll have our, our normal uh, Cool Your Jets podcast going over some topics, maybe answering a mailbag um, so stay tuned for that. You can follow us at CYJ pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nanny and myself at Ben W. Blessington. Um, please like rate review, subscribe on iTunes. Um, I don't think there's anything else, Michael, any last words in the running backs or the jets in general? I'm, I'm just pretty excited to watch this group. There's a lot of, a lot of guys I like. I absolutely hate the Michael P. Ryan. I think he's the worst <laughs> running back in the league. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. He's 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 got some stuff to work with, but let, let's be honest. There's a lot he has to improve. He didn't show as much last season, but overall, I'm I'm excited about this unit. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Michael, are we, we going to stick with the uh, corny all gas, no break ending, or should we just wrap it up while we still have any sort of dignity left? I'll, I'll give you that call, but no, wait, why would I give you that call? Because I know yeah. what your answer is going to be. No, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's try. Let's try to make this thing. All let's, right. Let's really right. try to make this a thing. Okay, ready?
I'm just kidding. It's so lame. I can't do it. That's just not my bones. All right. <laughs> you you were you were ready to embrace it. Uh, you geared like, up oh, to do it. So and then lame. It just, just went through your head, and you're like, I'm not doing it. Two football nerds sitting in their rooms screaming all gas, no break over a Zoom call just did not sound like my ideal Wednesday evening. Um, I guess we'll just stick with the prototypical. Don't let the Jets ruin your life. But I will say they're, they're getting pretty close to me. Uh, there's just so much positive energy around this team. This is the most excited I've been since the the 2009 Rex Ryan days. And coincidentally, I was nine years old back then. So this is this is like uh, some childhood excitement right here. So we'll think of a new ending. Maybe tweet us your thoughts for a new ending. But for now, don't let the Jets ruin your life.